was nice. I love Christmas. Um, it's important because it set into motion what we would experience. Um, um, you know, when we think about the birth of Christ, it's it's huge. It's huge. Uh, some say, well, Good Friday's very important because without the cross, we wouldn't have forgiveness of sins. And I agree with that. I believe that for sure, 100%. But Easter validates um, everything that Jesus said. You know, if, if, if Jesus would have gone to the cross and died and stayed dead, it had just been another person in history that was a good leader, had some nice things to say. But when he rose from the grave, when he came back to life, it verified every single thing that, that he said. And without Easter, we have no hope. And that's what I want to get across to you today. That's the theme of the message today is hope. It's all about hope. And in a world where I feel like we have so little or no hope or some people feel like they have no hope, this message is absolutely crucial for us today. And I want you to understand that everything that I'm saying today is coming from a person who is absolutely convinced that Jesus is alive. I am absolutely convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you of what, why I think that Jesus is alive. Just kind of take everything that I say from the standpoint that I believe it with all of my heart. But uh, I want to leave you with a piece of scripture that I think is crucial to understanding why uh, I believe and, and why the church believes that he's alive. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church uh, in his first letter, chapter 15. For what I've received, and I think I'll just stop right there for a moment, because what did he receive? What did Paul receive? He said, for what I've received, what's he talking about? He received uh, the one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus as he is walking on the road to Damascus. And so Paul received the fact that Jesus was alive. He saw it with his own eyes. He says, for what I received, when I saw Jesus come back to life, when I saw for myself that he was alive, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And I think that's important to point out that he appeared to 500 people at the same time because I don't know, I, I, I've never heard of like group hallucinations where 500 people see the same weird thing at this, except for Woodstock. I've heard stories about that, but, but, but I, I think it's important that he points out that 500 people were not wrong. They didn't just think they saw something. 500 people saw Jesus alive. And so all of my comments today are going to come from the perspective that, that I believe with all of my heart that he is alive. And if you're not there yet this morning, I hope that, that maybe by the end of, of today you, you'll get there or at some point you will see in your life that the resurrection is real. Um, if you're not convinced of that yet and you want to talk to me or someone here on staff, we'd love to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about that. But today I want to focus on what the resurrection does for us, what it means for us. And in doing that, I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to be in verses 19 and 20 today, just a couple of verses. And here's what it says. If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. When I look at Scripture, hope is the underlying theme of the entire 
book that we call the Bible. And contrary to popular opinion, the Bible is not just a book that is made up of a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not just a book that's filled with a bunch of rules where God's trying to take away all of your fun. Those things are in there. There are some rules in there, but they're in there because we have a loving Father who cares enough about us to show us how we can have the most enjoyable life and the best life down here possible. And as we look throughout all of the Bible, we find God offering hope to those people who are without hope. We find people uh, who are taking God up on the offer that if you come to him, if you give your life to him, he will give you hope in this life and your life will be changed forever. And so I want to give you hope today. If you're sitting out there and you're just kind of, um, I don't know, you've had hopeless days. Has anybody had any hopeless days in the last couple of years? Uh, maybe in the last couple of weeks when you read the, the, the news, when you watch TV and you see the things that are going on around the world, you just kind of like sometimes you start to lose hope. And so my intention today is to give you hope. And there's two areas in which we have hope that I think we need to really think about and implement in our daily lives. And that hope is available because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as you leave here today, it's my hope that you're going to have a new appreciation of what the resurrection is all about. So let's Let's get started. First, he rose to give us hope for today. It isn't something that we have to wait for. It isn't something that's going to come to us someday. It is hope for today. Our verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, If only for this life we have hope in Christ. Well, to me, that majorly implies that there is hope for this life. It's not just hope for heaven. It's not just hope for something that's going to happen down the road. We can have hope in the here and now while we're here on this earth. You say, okay, that's nice, but what kind of hope can we have? What do we hope in? Here's three things I think we can have because of the resurrection. We have forgiveness in sin, of our sins. We have that hope in our lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can have forgiveness of your sins. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. To those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. And now that saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. Isn't it nice to have a clear conscience towards God to know that your sins have been forgiven? It saves you. How does it save you? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, you couldn't be saved. Think about that for just a moment. When you confess Jesus as the Christ, when you're baptized into him, when you repent of your sins, every sin, no matter how big, no matter how small it might be, is washed away by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? When you think back to some of the stupid things that you did. Anybody in here ever done anything stupid? Okay, I'm, I'm chief stupid sometimes, okay? No, I don't need any amens to that. But, but here's the deal. You have the forgiveness of every single sin that you've ever committed. Look at what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of our sins. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. This means that forgiveness is always available. It's not just a one-time shot. It's always available. 
If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're walking in Him and you put your trust completely in Him and you agree that, hey, I messed up in this area and you go to God and, and, and you say, God, I've, I've blown it. I know your word says this, but I did this. Please forgive me. You're taken care of. And the Bible says that God will never bring them back up again. Aren't you thankful for that? I used to think when I was a little kid, in fact, I think when I think back of it, uh, to it in the church that I grew up in, I think they were trying to scare us into making our lives right with Christ because they used to say, when you go to heaven, you're going to stand before God and he's going to play this big video of all the dumb things that you've done, all the sins that you've committed, and he's going to show you all your sins and all the people in heaven are going to see all these sins, all these things that you've done, and then he's going to say, I forgive you, come on in. I don't think it's going to work that way because the Bible says he forgets your sins. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way apart, church. That little guy is into the sermon. I am loving it, man. I'm back here, and he's just like, go preach it, man, preach it. That's like an amen. He's just rocking, but I love it. That is great. You got a good one there, guys. That's awesome. Never bring it back up again. Buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that good news? That's a big deal, church. That gives me hope. Do you live in forgiveness? Do you live like a forgiven person? Because I see a lot of people who are living their lives, people who call themselves Christians, who are not living in that forgiveness. They beat themselves up all the time. They don't live like a forgiven person. They live under this shadow of guilt and shame. But here's something we absolutely have to understand. Forgiveness and restoration from God is something that we have to live in and then demonstrate for others. If you're a child of God and you've been forgiven of your sins, you are required by Jesus himself to offer that same forgiveness to other people in your life. When we read that parable of the unmerciful servant, I don't really like that story all that much because it really gets at me because sometimes I, I harbor things in my heart that shouldn't be there toward people. Anybody with me on that? parable of the unmerciful servant, Jesus tells a guy uh, about a guy who, who own, owed a bajillion dollars. That's the RBV. That's the Ron Bridgewater version. A bajillion dollars, gazillion dollars. And he couldn't repay it. Right? And, and the master offered to write that debt completely off because he couldn't pay it. Just forgive him of that debt. And what did the servant do? He goes out not really caring about apparently how gracious the king was to him. He goes out and he sees a guy that doesn't owe him near as much. Just a few dollars. And he has him thrown into prison. That doesn't make any sense. Nobody, that would just be dumb for anybody to do that. But when we think about what God has forgiven us of. And we harbor resentment and unforgiveness toward other people. That's what Jesus is getting at in that story. And you might be thinking, Ron, you don't understand. I've been hurt a lot more than somebody just taking advantage of me with some money. The Bible says that if you've broken one law, you've broken them all, and yet God forgave you. And that forgiveness cost him his son. It cost him the life of his son. How can we harbor resentment toward other people Knowing what Jesus did for us because of our sin. I don't see how a Christian can have an unforgiving spirit. 
I heard a story about a lady who was bitten by a rabid dog one time and, and she thought she was going to die from rabies. And the doctor told her, you better, better put your affairs in order. Better do it very quickly. She starts writing down right there in the doctor's office. Takes out a pen and paper, starts writing down. Said, get your affairs in order is what the doctor said. I'm writing down a bunch of stuff. Just absolutely furiously writing. In fact, she wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And the doctor finally said, listen, this sure is a long will that you're making. She said, oh, I'm not making a will. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to go around and bite. Uh, we may snicker at that but that's how we act sometimes as Christians we've got this mental list in our mind that this person did me wrong and that person I'm never going to have anything to do with them I'm not going to speak to them I'm not going to go to that church anymore I'm not going to go to to anything that they're involved in that family reunion or whatever and it just that makes no sense to me church the resurrection of Jesus Christ seals the deal for the forgiveness of our sins. And it gives us the ability to forgive others as well. And so I encourage you, if you don't get anything else out of this today, get that. It, forgive other people who have wronged you. If you're in Jesus, it's a must. He rose so we could have that. And then he rose so we could have victory over sin. Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then in verse 11, it says, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that sin is bondage. And when we live our lives in sin, and we do this too, just like I said, we walk around sometimes all gloom and doom as Christians and be, uh, not thinking about the forgiveness that Christ has given to us. We also sometimes walk around uh, with this gloom in our, our mind thinking, you know, we got this sin in our lives and, and we're just held down by the weight of it. And, and sometimes... Uh, we just can't get out from under it. And, and Christians shouldn't live that way either. Here's the deal. Sin is slavery. Okay? And it very rarely appears that way. It, most of the time, sin appears as fun, right? It appears enjoyable. If it wasn't fun and enjoyable, it wouldn't be tempting to us. It seems attractive at the time. And so we don't see the chains that come with it and... When Jesus came out of the grave, he says, enough of that. You don't have to live your life that way anymore. Jesus came to set you free. He came out of the grave to set you free. You don't have to have those chains anymore. We sang just a bit ago. Spencer, I'm glad he picked this song. It's a great song. It says, I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. That's big. I don't know if you've really thought about how big that is. I have a future. My eyes are open because when you called my name, I ran out of that grave. You don't have to live your life swallowed up in guilt and shame anymore. I know a lot of people who, who live their lives in this never-ending cycle of sin, ask for forgiveness, then sin, ask for forgiveness, sin, ask for forgiveness, and then feel really, really bad about that, and they feel that guilt and that shame. Listen, you need to ask for forgiveness, don't get me wrong, but you need to break out of that cycle and stop believing the lies that the devil is telling you that you're never going to get out of that cycle. 
that you're never going to get out from under that. When he rose from the dead, the Bible says he went to be with the Father. But if you're a follower of Christ, he lives in you as well through the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we have that opportunity to overcome sin, to defeat sin, and to live in victory. And that life, Jesus says, can be a full and abundant life. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's a familiar verse to a lot of us, especially those who have grown up in the church. But I think it might also be one of the most underappreciated. All right? I've already said the Bible, sometimes to people, is this book that's filled with a list of do's and don'ts. There's so much more. It's a, it's a book that's filled with hope. It's a, it's a book that's filled with promise for everyone who calls themselves a part of the family of God. How many of you live your life this way? Let me ask you a question. Do you go through the day with the thought that God has something for you today? Do you go through your day thinking that no matter what comes your way, God is moving in your life and God is working in your life? Do you go through your day like that? I hope you do. Because it can change everything about the way that you live. Romans 8.28 says that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose, and He works to make us more like Jesus. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want a little more Jesus in their lives? How many of you wouldn't mind having a person in your life a little bit more like Jesus? And then, you know, get, get your spouse and your mother-in-law and all that. Get those out of your brain, you know, right? I'm talking about you. Last time I looked in the mirror, I saw someone who could use a little bit more Jesus in his life. God loves us and he knows us in intimate detail because he created us he knows what's best for us and he wants nothing more than the best for us and here's what I think there's a key word I think to it's a key attitude it's just a key to living a full and abundant life and it's found in one word it's the word anticipation Are you anticipating what God's going to do for you? What God is going to do in your life? Folks, I'm not perfect, no matter what Stacy might say. Uh, No matter what the elders might say and the staff. (laughs) I don't have it all together. You're all like, yeah, we figured that out a long time ago, right? Things don't always go my way. I don't always have the right attitude. There are times when I have heartache. There's times when I have disappointment. Jesus never said life is always going to be easy. But what I'm trying to do, what I'm working on every single day in my life is trying to live out my life in anticipation of what God wants to do in my life and what he wants to do through me every single day. I'm trying to live my life out in anticipation of what God wants to do in this church, what he wants to do in Columbus, what he wants to do in Bartholomew County, and how do I fit into that? If I live in anticipation of how God wants to use me instead of wallowing around in the ashes of despair, I think it can change our attitude. It can change the way that we live our lives. It can give us hope. 
And it allows God to use you to become something new, something wonderful, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. When you live in anticipation of what God can and will do in you, you'll be amazed at how you see things differently and how people respond to you differently. So what's in the way of that? Generally, it's things like unforgiveness, a lack of faith in the fact that God really does care that much. There's some people, even Christians, say, well, man, I don't know. Well, if you're one of those that doubts that God cares, don't just take my word for it. Read the words of Jesus. The Bible talks about how God cares for birds, how he feeds them. They don't even have to worry about where their next meal comes from. If God feels that way about birds, listen, I'm going to confess them. I don't even like birds. Can I get an amen? Is anybody with me? Larry's the only one I like. Right? I don't like birds. Spencer, that's funny. No, that's funny. He's sitting over there giving me the thumbs down. That's funny. Right? I don't like them. God cares for them. Feeds them. They don't have to worry. The flowers of the field, they don't have to worry. And if God will do that for birds and flowers, how much more will he do for us who are his children? God cares for you so much more than any, anything else in this life. He cares for you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that you could have victory over sin, so that you can have this full and abundant life. And Jesus gives us hope for today. And not only for today, he gives us hope for tomorrow as well. <laughs> Look back at our main passage. It is only for this life we have hope in Christ. If that was all, just this life, we have hope in Christ. We are to be pitied more than all men, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Those who have died is what Paul is saying. The passage is saying that because of Jesus, we don't just have hope for now, we have hope for all of eternity. And that hope comes in knowing for sure that you're going to heaven someday. Man, when I look around at some of the things that are happening in this life, I, man, I, I watch some videos of, of the junk that's happening in the Ukraine and it just, it just breaks my heart. To think that someone, that people, that human beings could be that evil. Still today, you know, we look back in the 40s and 30s and 40s and, and we think, you know, there was this nut job named Adolf Hitler that was doing crazy things. And we think, oh, boy, I'm glad we don't have to experience anything like that again. And then we turn on the news and we see some of the junk that's happening over there and you think, man. But here's the deal. As bad as it gets, and it may get even worse, I don't know. You are going to heaven. This world is not all that there is. And when you have that squared away, that you're going to heaven, you're going to be able to live your life in anticipation of not only what God wants to do for you here, but what you're going to have when you leave this world. Jesus has got you covered. One of these days he's going to say, come and enjoy the kingdom of heaven. Enjoy my presence for all of eternity. One day we're all going to be together, worshiping and praising God, enjoying the presence of, of God forever. No more pain. 
No more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering. Only perfect peace and joy forever. And that's because of the resurrection. No more sickness, no disease, no injury. All our bodies will finally be perfect. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> I don't, if that don't excite you, I don't know what will. Uh, right? Let me give you two applications very quickly. I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team to come as I give you these two very quick uh, applications uh, that you can take with you. Here's what I encourage you to do. Live in hope. Take your eyes off your circumstances. Place them on God and walk in trusting obedience, anticipating the full and abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Here's the deal. I, I know some of you have been through some terrible hurt. Some of you might be going through some terrible hurt right now. And I would never try to minimize the hurt that you're going through and just say, oh, just get over it. It's no big deal. But on the other hand, hope and healing are not found in your circumstances. They're only found in God. And you've got to quit focusing on your circumstances and start focusing on God. Second, take the hope of heaven for yourself. My guess is that there are some people here maybe today, you, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, I look around. I think I know everybody in this service. I think in the second service we'll maybe have a few that have never made a decision to follow Christ. You've never taken that step of trust in Him. If you find yourself as one of those today, I encourage you to come during this song of decision. And you can have forgiveness and you can set your course for the rest of this life and for all of eternity. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again and that he's coming back again? If so, what are you going to do about it? You say, well, I've already made a decision to follow him. Okay, great. How are you going to live your life? Hope for today. It's not just something that's going to happen when Jesus comes back or when we die. It's hope for today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And um, as we sing this song, if there's anyone here today that, that needs to make a decision, certainly come. If there's anyone here today that needs to just turn some things over to God and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I've been more focused on the wind and the waves and the storm than I have been Jesus. And, and I need to repent of that. If that's you, I encourage you to do that. All of us, I think all of us during this time can just say, God, help me live the hope that you've given me for today and the hope that is mine for tomorrow. Let's pray together.